morning. In today's headlines, the CDC is voting on the immunization schedule for children in the U.S. today. But will it lead to COVID vaccine mandates for school kids? Will the U.S. Supreme Court block President Biden's student loan forgiveness program? That's what a group of Wisconsin taxpayers is asking. Find out more about the petition they filed yesterday. According to House Republicans, drag queens and kids just don't mix, and they've sponsored a new bill to make sure federal funding doesn't go towards shows and schools. A Hong Kong protester beaten at the Chinese consulate grounds in England. A top Chinese diplomat called it his duty after the incident, and the UK's foreign minister condemns the assault. And some doctors are now looking to prescribe food instead of pills. We spoke to a physician. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning. I'm Evelyn Lee. It's Thursday to today, October 20th. You know, federal funding for drag queens for kids, whether you agree with it or not, is one thing. But it's a big issue because taxpayers fund, fund the federal government. So that means yeah, that money is being used for that purpose. That means everyone in the country is involved in it. You bring up a good point, but speaking about children, let's turn to something else for now. COVID-19 vaccines are likely being added to the immunization schedule for children in the U.S. The CDC confirmed the plan yesterday. The move could lead to vaccine mandates for school children in some states. CDC advisors will vote on an updated 2023 childhood immunization schedule today. They did not make clear if COVID-19 vaccines could be added. However, the advisors unanimously voted to add the vaccines to Vaccines for Children, or VFC, on Wednesday. VFC is a program aimed at making sure poor children and adolescents get certain vaccines. The CDC official called adding the vaccine to the to the schedule and the VFC program, in her words, an important step towards inclusion of COVID-19 vaccines in a routine vaccination program. The CDC has tried to distance itself from mandates. They said on Twitter that states establish vaccine requirements for school children, not the CDC or the advisory committee. Yes, but although they are portraying the child and adolescent schedules as guidance, many states adopt some or all of the recommended vaccines as required immunizations for school attendance. Right, and officials in some states like California say they plan to or have already started mandating COVID-19 vaccination for certain age groups to attend school. Other states have banned mandates. For example, Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Ladapo says Florida will not mandate COVID-19 vaccines for school attendance and that he will continue to recommend against COVID vaccines for healthy kids. A group of Wisconsin taxpayers is asking the U.S. Supreme Court to end President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan. They filed a petition with the court on Wednesday. The taxpayers argue the court should scrap Biden's program because it unlawfully encroaches on Congress's spending power. The emergency request was filed with Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett handles emergencies from Wisconsin. She has the option to act on her own or refer the petition to the nine-justice court. A federal judge tossed out the case in October, saying the group lacked legal standing to sue the Biden administration. Several other lawsuits have been filed to block the program. The Republican-led states of Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, Nebraska, and South Carolina filed a suit in September against the administration. They say Biden doesn't have the power to issue debt relief without an act of Congress. And House Republicans on Tuesday introduced a bill that would ban the use of federal funds for drag queen performances. The bill also includes other sexually oriented programs aimed at young children. 
The bill is called the Stop the Sexualization of Children Act of 2022. It aims to prohibit federal, state, and local governments and private organizations from using federal tax dollars to expose children under 10 to sexually explicit material. The bill states that while parents may choose how and when to expose their children to material of sexual nature, federal funds shouldn't be used to expose children under 10 years of age to sexually oriented material. It also states no federal funds may be made available to develop, implement, facilitate, or fund any sexually oriented program. And what else does that include? includes any event or literature that exposes children under the age of 10 to nude adults, individuals who are stripping or lewd or lascivious dancing. The bill goes on to say that federal taxpayer dollars have been used to fund sexual education or children under 10 in the past. And the Florida State Board of Education unanimously voted that in a new rule on what yesterday, it requires parental notification of any student bathrooms, locker rooms, and dressing rooms that are not separated by biological sex. The board says the purpose of this rule is to protect student safety and also aims to protect the rights of parents to be fully informed of how bathrooms and locker rooms are, de are designated and supervised. The rule also includes dressing rooms. The board says it will ensure full transparency to enhance the health, safety, and welfare of students when utilizing bathrooms and locker rooms and protects parental rights. Florida Commissioner of Education Manny Diaz says he applauds the board for upholding parental rights and continuing to promote the welfare of students. The board also voted to increase the transparency of elementary school library materials and reading lists. They say this will eliminate inappropriate, indoctrinating and pornographic materials in libraries and classrooms. About 12,000 suspected fentanyl pills, going on to a whole nother topic now, packaged in popular candy boxes were seized at Los Angeles International Airport yesterday. The LA County Sheriff's Department says someone tried to go through TSA screening with several bags of candy and snacks, but the candy boxes marked Sweethearts, Skittles and Whoppers actually contained what authorities believe to be thousands of the dangerous pills. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid 50 times stronger than heroin and up to 100 times more potent than morphine. Just 2 milligrams of fentanyl, about the size of 10 to 15 grains of table salt, is considered a lethal dose. The police say the suspect ran away prior to being detained but has been identified and the investigation is ongoing. Arizona is refusing to take down its makeshift border wall. State officials say it will remain in place until the federal government moves to construct a permanent barrier. President Biden halted construction of the border wall after taking office, leaving gaps along the U.S.-Mexico border. Arizona Governor Doug Ducey ordered the installation of around 120 double-stacked containers laced with razor wire over the summer to fill those gaps in the state. Ducey says he couldn't wait for U.S. Customs and Border Protection to award the contracts it announced for the work. The U.S. Bureau of Reclamation says the unauthorized containers violate U.S. law. They are demanding that no more containers are placed. The Bureau says it wants to prevent conflicts with two federal contracts already awarded and two more pending to fill gaps in the area. And over in Oregon, a 60-vehicle pileup closed part of Interstate 5 south of Albany on Wednesday. At least one person was killed. Oregon State Police estimated around 45 passenger cars and 15 to 20 semi-trucks were involved in the massive crash. One of the trucks caused southbound lane closures. The accident is attributed to poor visibility because of dense fog and smoke from wildfires in the area. Other injuries have not yet been confirmed. 
And the British Foreign Secretary has weighed in on the assault of a Hong Kong protester, calling it unacceptable. The protester was recorded being beaten by several men at the Chinese consulate in Manchester, England on Sunday. A senior Chinese diplomat was one of the alleged attackers. And today's Cost Jimenez has more on that story. In an interview with Sky News, the Chinese Consul General defended his actions, saying it was an emergency situation they wanted to control. I don't attack anybody. I'm the peacefully. Just that, that's not true, though, is it, Consul General? You, you pulled the man's hair. Yeah, the man is because he's abused my country, my leader. I think he's a, it's my duty. To pull his hair? Yeah, I think that any diplomats if faced to such kind of the behavior. The incident happened during a demonstration against Chinese regime leader Xi Jinping. Bob Chan says the attack started when masked men came out of the consulate to take banners away from the peaceful protesters. I was in the mess of things outside the gates of the consulate, trying to stop the masked men from taking away our displays. Footage on social media shows Chan wearing a black cap being hauled through into the consular grounds and assaulted by five men as he lay on the ground. I held onto the gate where I was kicked and punched. I could not hold on for long and was eventually pulled into the grounds of the consulate. Police at the scene eventually stepped through the gate to pull Chan out. Chan recently emigrated to Britain from Hong Kong. He suffered cuts and bruises to his face and went to hospital for treatment. British Foreign Secretary James Cleverly condemned the attack on Wednesday. Uh, Greater Manchester Police are conducting an investigation. Um, we, I will need to see the details of that investigation before we decide what other action that we might take. But we have made it absolutely clear to the uh, Chinese embassy that this behavior is unacceptable. Former Conservative Party leader Ian Duncan Smith joined Chan at Wednesday's news conference. Duncan Smith was among the lawmakers and other Britons sanctioned by China last year for addressing human rights abuses in the Chinese region of Xinjiang. China has disputed the accounts of events saying protesters stormed its grounds. The incident is the latest diplomatic spat between London and Beijing, whose relationship has soured in recent years. Police said they were investigating and appealed for more videos of the incident. No arrests have yet been made. Cost MNS, NTD News. Nineteen states have launched investigations of the six largest banks. The states allege that the bank's environmental, social and governance related practices, or ESG, have hurt the American energy industry. The banks are Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Morgan Stanley, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and Citigroup. The investigation will focus on the banks joining the Net Zero Banking Alliance. That's a worldwide agreement by major banks overseen by the United Nations. Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt says its aim is to refuse lending to companies doing fossil fuel-related activities. The Texas, Attorney General, the Texas Attorney General says the banks made it a collective agreement. It states that their lending practices will reflect the target of net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 based on the Paris Climate Accords. The Net Zero Banking Alliance's members control roughly 40 percent of the world's banking assets. Missouri's Attorney General says his office is leading a coalition investigating banks for ceding authority to the U.N. 
The Missouri Attorney General also says their actions will result in the killing of American companies that don't subscribe to, in his words, the woke climate agenda. And he stated that the banks are accountable to American laws and that America does not let international bodies set the standards for its businesses. And New Zealand farmers gathered in city and town centers across the country protesting the government's plan to tax agricultural emissions. Last week, the government confirmed plans to tax agricultural gases and biogenic methane, which mainly comes from cow and sheep burps. The proposed plan is currently in a consultation phase. It's been criticized by farming groups worried about how the proposal accounts for on-farm forestry and what can offset such emissions. What's being proposed, especially around the emission tax, it's just going to wipe out a huge percentage of the agricultural um, community. Uh, it's going to make uh, what I would call the mum and dad farmers, um, they're just not going to be able to afford to do it. And then to see all that um, good arable land converted into what I'd call carbon credits and just planting it in pine trees is just absolutely nuts. Um, as the government's throwing too many taxes at them and it's absolutely going to destroy our com community. They're the backbone of New Zealand. We need the farmers and all this overtaxing and it's just got to stop. The plan has also raised concerns about how emissions will be priced and how the program will be governed. And coming up, imagine going to the doctor and they prescribe you bananas or kale. Find out why some want to make produce prescriptions happen. And top retailers are taking a break on Thanksgiving this year. Find out which ones in just a minute. Welcome back. The baby formula shortage persists. Now the company taking some of the blame for the shortage is trying to make amends. Abbott Nutrition says it's planning to invest half a billion dollars in a new factory to manufacture specialty infant formulas. The shutdown of Abbott's infant nutrition plant in Sturgis, Michigan and a recall of some of its products led to the formula shortage. A Census Bureau survey reports nearly one-third of households of an with an infant younger than one, one are still having trouble finding formula. Abbott says it's in the final stages of finding a site for its new factory. Top retailers are giving workers a break this Thanksgiving. Walmart, Target and Best Buy will close their doors this Turkey Day, a practice many companies started in response to the pandemic. Target CEO called the move a temporary measure that is now the company's new standard. Kohl's and others will also close on Thanksgiving this year. At the same time, the big retail chains are again starting discounts early this year. Some have already launched promotions and sales events and plan to spread them out across the season. The extended shopping season means stores can close on Thanksgiving without a big impact on sales. Some doctors want to prescribe you produce instead of pills. New York City Health and Hospitals launched a produce prescription study earlier this year. Last month, the National Produce Prescription Collaborative held a day of action in Washington. The hope is to embed a produce prescription model into standard healthcare over the next two years. And now Mooresville, North Carolina, just piloted a program that allows a select group to receive food prescriptions. I spoke to a doctor to find out what she thinks about this initiative. Joining me now is Dr. Monique May. She's a board-certified physician and the founder of Physician in the Kitchen. Good morning. Good morning. 
Well, first of all, it's really good to have you. And because North Carolina just piloted a produce prescription program. So basically, instead of pills, patients can be prescribed produce as well. And I want to get your reaction on this. What do you think about this? Well, thank you for having me. I love this idea. Um, Plant-based is the way to go. We know that a lot of diseases can be prevented and certainly improved by what is on someone's plate. So I'm, I'm here for it. I'm glad that we're starting to recognize this and hopefully getting the funding and everything we need to support it because it's, it's well overdue. Right. So I want to, you know, on this point, so I want to know how things are right now. Are we, what do you think about the, you know, pill popping culture, if you will, right now? Is it, are we too fast and looking to a pharmaceutical fix if it comes to diseases? I think so. I think in some in some diseases or illnesses, we do tend to want the quick fix. And as a family physician, a lot of what I did in clinical practice was encouraged lifestyle management or lifestyle changes. In other words, what can you do to decrease your risk of developing a disease like diabetes or arthritis or heart disease or what have you? Um, because you obviously can't change your family history, which may factor into your risk. But the, the things that you can do, like stop smoking, maintaining your weight and eating more plant, a more plant-based diet, certainly encourage that. And then if that doesn't work, start to look toward medications or if medications are needed initially because someone's numbers are so out of control, you still want to initiate that lifestyle management part of it as well. Because you, you just mentioned, you know, lifestyle changes that you basically uh, recommend as a physician, family physician. I'm wondering, though, how much do you learn about nutrition and stuff like that as a med student, for instance? Oh, that's an excellent question. I actually did not learn very much. I graduated medical school in 1996, and uh, we learned some of the basics. Of course, diabetics have high blood sugar, excess salt can affect your blood pressure, et cetera. But as far as actually managing it or recommending um, things, when, when patients were hospitalized, say, for example, for their diabetes, we would just write an order, you know, consult the dietitian, um, give them a, a low carb or a low sugar diet. But that information as far as how to manage their diseases medically wasn't coming from us, the physicians, uh, for as a large part, because we weren't learning that. I, I, I have heard that they are starting to do make changes in med school curricula now, so I'm excited for that. Wow, that's really good to know, really interesting. And are there any general, well, if you, if you can find top two of those general rules to, that you can share today with um, how to st stay healthy with your diet, what would those be? Sure. Well, I always say, if you follow me on, on Instagram at Physician in the Kitchen, I'm always talking about eat the rainbow. So as many colors as you can get on your plate is going to be very beneficial. Each color are basically, the, the reason the plants have those colors are phytopigments or plant chemicals. And they have anti-inflammatory, antioxidant, antiviral, antibacterial, you name it, all kinds of properties. So, you know, this time of year, right, cold, flu, COVID season, um, you want to eat foods that are going to boost your immune system. So eat the rainbow, you're going to get, you're going to check a lot of boxes by just in, introducing variety into your diet. And I, I think the other thing I would say is stay well hydrated because people often mistake thirst for hunger. And so they will reach for something to eat before they drink. And that can lead to unnecessary snacking and put on some pounds. So I would say if you're hungry, 
drink, you know, at least eight ounces of salt water, wait about 15 minutes and see how you feel that your brain kind of read, you know, uh, let your body recalibrate. Uh, but yeah, hydrate more. And even with meals, you may be less likely to eat as much as if you're not as well hydrated. Wow, such incredibly valuable knowledge. Thank you so much, Dr. Monique May. I appreciate it today. Sure, my pleasure. You know, that was such an interesting conversation I had. And she told me also that plants really do a body good from head to toe. So almost Ill, any illness or process can be improved by a plant-based diet that ranges from heart diseases, inflammatory conditions, and even depression. That's good to know. I mean, depression especially has been on the rise in the last few years. Exactly right. And there are foods that help boost the body's production of serotonin and dopamine. These are brain chemicals for uh, context. These are brain chemicals that play a role in people's moods. So they would be natural mood enhancers, so to speak. That sounds like some great natural medicine. Absolutely. Uh, and coming up, from side hustle to a million dollar business, we hear the story of a woman who started her own company using her passion for purses. Welcome back. We're continuing with someone that seemed to have fulfilled their dream. For a few lucky people, following their passion can support them through life. That's definitely the case for one woman who is now comfortably living off of reselling purses. And today's Jackie Rios went to hear how what started as a side business is now making it big. Nika Yusei is the founder and CEO of Fashion Nika, an online vintage designer purse store. She started Fashion Nika just as a side project, but has been so successful in her business that is now her primary job. So this was kind of like my COVID baby. I started this business like during COVID and like truly I was finding these really great bags um, and you know, they were kind of stored in my closet and my fiance is like, you have too many bags. Like, why don't you, you know, turn it into a business or something and maybe sell some of them, make a little bit of margin and see what happens. In January 2021, you say spent 15000 on luxury purses to resell on sites like Poshmark. After six months, she created her own website. I would just slowly trickle in, like, you know, sell a couple bags, like, once a week um, here and there. And once the demand started, like, picking up on my Instagram um, and my, like, TikTok accounts, that's when I was like, I should start, like, an actual business, like, make this into something, because I do see, like, a lot of potential. Yusei's habit of hunting for the best quality items she could find started in her youth. That's because she grew up with one parent, struggling to make ends meet. So Yusei thrifted a lot growing up, and it carried over into adulthood. Now, she's left her brand manager job at Pyology Pizzeria and works on her business full-time. They sell out within minutes, and it is... I literally, like, can't even grasp how that happens, but it's been selling out like literally in minutes the past year. Um, so I'm extremely blessed like and thankful for like my community and my clients that I've built relationships with. She packages the bags to be sent out on Thursdays and on Fridays, she brainstorms what to do for the next week. My motto is if I personally like wouldn't wear it myself, then I'm not gonna source it. Cause at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm investing and buying this bag and if it doesn't sell, you know, I have to use it and I want to like it and I want to love it because I love bags. 
You say started out by selling $10,000 worth of items every month. Now she sells around $200,000 worth per month, projecting to earn $2.4 million by the end of 2022. She recommends those interested in starting their own side hustle and turning it into a business to be passionate, ambitious, driven, and to be consistent. Jackie Rios, NTD News, California. What a great way she found for herself to earn her money. But I'm sure it takes a good eye to figure out what sells well and, you know, what at a profitable price. Oh, yeah. Well, and I bet it helps other people save time to find them. Yeah. yeah sure. And so now we're going to take you to something that you can't buy or own, but it's beautiful to the eyes. NASA's Webb Telescope has captured a jaw-dropping image of the iconic Pillars of Creation. 6,500 light years away, this spectacular celestial formation where new stars are formed was first imaged by the Hubble Telescope in 1995. The James Webb Space Telescope's near-infrared camera captured the pillars of creation in a way they've never seen, been seen before. Although the arches and spires look solid, they're actually semi-transparent clouds of gas and dust that are, never, that are ever changing. NASA hopes that by studying the pillars of creation, they'll have a better understanding of how stars are formed. And you know, Evelyn, I bet there are so many beautiful things beyond what the eyes can see. Oh, I'm sure you're right. The vast unknown, right? Yeah. And on that note, that's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you before you go. You can share your thoughts and your story at goodmorning@ntd.com. So shoot us an email if you'd like. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.